0: Let's finish this series running with the giants today. We're going to be looking at the life of Jesus Christ. And I really want to encourage you today to bring out your message notes from your worship guide. And I want everybody to keep these notes today. I want you to put them on your desk. I want you to put them on your refrigerator. I want you to keep these notes handy because this is going to be a life-changing message and you're gonna need these principles. Uh, I'm guaranteeing you right now, you're going to need these principles. So I want everybody to just keep these notes with you and keep them somewhere handy because you're gonna need them. Our theme text, Hebrews 12, verse one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God sets before us. We're in a race. I don't know if you've ever realized it or not, but you're in a race right now, you're running on the track. Your your life counts. You're in a race, and there's a crowd of witnesses that are cheering for you. And we've been discussing that crowd over the last eight weeks. People like King David and Moses and Father Abraham, and they're watching you right now. It's an amazing thought to think that they know you by name, like they know who you are. They're watching you and they're cheering for the race that you're running. And you say, well, I'm not running a race. I'm not a, you're the pastor. You're running the race. I'm just, you know, an ordinary person. No, your life counts. You're running a race. And you're on the track right now running and they're cheering you on. And it says run with endurance. And Now, now why does it say run with endurance? Because the truth is we get tired. The truth is we get discouraged. The truth is there's gonna be days you wanna quit and there's gonna be days that you wanna give up and you're gonna go through some hard stuff in life. And so what I wanna do this morning is I wanna look at the giant of all giants. I wanna look at the son of God, Jesus Christ, because we can get all the inspiration we'll need for life through this one message. And it's found in the very next verse. If we keep reading in Hebrews chapter 12, verse two says, keep your eyes on Jesus. See, that's, that's the goal. That's the encouragement today. Keep your eyes on on Jesus, who both began and finished this race that we're in. He ran the race that you're in right now. He finished the race that you're in. And we're to keep our eyes on him. And I know, I know people out here today would say, well, it's different, though. He was Jesus. He was the son of God. He was, he was special. He was unique. No, he was very human, the Bible tells us. Jesus was fully human on earth. Jesus experienced all of the temptations, all of the trials, all of the struggles that you've been through. He can sympathize with where you're at right now. See, what I love about Jesus is he's not, you're struggling right now. You're tired. You're exhausted. He's not looking at you in condemnation because he's been there. He's experienced what you're experiencing. He's ran the race that you've run. He's felt what you've felt. So this is what we need to do. Study how he did it. And that's what I want to do today is I want to study how he did it. Study how Jesus did it. How did Jesus finish his race? How did he do it? Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. The cross, shame, whatever. Because I mean, there's going to be stuff along the way that you're going to go through. You're gonna go through some stuff. You're gonna go through some stuff that's gonna break your heart, that's gonna discourage you. You're gonna get weary. You're gonna get exhausted. You're gonna go through it. He went through it. He could put up with anything, and now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, When you find yourselves tired, when you find yourselves exhausted, when you find yourself not knowing if you can take another step or if you can face another day, when you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again and again. Go over it, that story, again and again. And today, we're going to rehearse that story again. And I know people say, well, can't can't we talk about something new? No. Every Palm Sunday... Every year, we're gonna talk about the cross. We're gonna talk about the blood. We're gonna talk about what Jesus went through. We're gonna go through that story again and again. We're gonna rehearse it again and again. What he went through, what he faced, what we learned. What he went through, what he faced, what he learned. We'll rehearse it. We're gonna study how he did it. Go over that story again and again, item by item. The long litany of hostility that he plowed through. Now, why are we going to study this? Why are we going to go through it again? Because if you study how Jesus did it, if you study how he finished, there's some incredible life lessons to be learned. And so I want to dedicate this message today to anybody that's tired. To anybody that's just just, just exhausted. You just, just you just you want to give up. You, you just You feel like, I mean, I don't know if I can keep doing this. I don't know if I can face another day. I'm just, I'm tired spiritually. I'm tired physically. I'm tired emotionally. And let me be honest, I can identify. I know some people think that pastors are like, you know, immune to problems and we don't ever go through it. But man, there's days that I want to quit. There's there's days that I wake up and, and I just tell God, you got the wrong person. I don't know if I can do this anymore. I mean, it's it's, it's not every Monday I feel like quitting. I don't know why it is about Monday, because after the weekend, Monday you just feel dead. So every Monday I feel like quitting. That's why we've started a policy that you can't fire anybody on Monday and you can't quit on Monday. We're fine on Tuesday. (laughs) We just gotta get through on Monday because Mondays just just stop. Mondays Mondays just aren't easy. And so what we want to do today is we want to look at, you know, what do you do? We're going to go over it again and again. We're going to study how he did it. And so here, here, here's the lesson of what Jesus, I think, would share. When you feel like giving up, keep your eyes on Jesus. When you feel like giving up, keep your eyes on Jesus. Rehearse this story again and again. We're going to study today how he did it. You know, we call it Good Friday, but the truth is it wasn't a Good Friday, I mean, it was good for us, but it was a bad day for him. It wasn't, it wasn't good for Jesus. And if Jesus ever wanted to quit, if he ever felt tired, exhausted, discouraged, and didn't know if he, could, if he could go on, it would have been on that day. I mean, that was the worst day of his life. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to study how he did it on that day, I mean, I want to know what did Jesus do on that day to get through it because that was the worst day of his life. I mean that that was if he can make it through that day, I want to know how he did it so we're going to start there we're going to look at that day and and what he went through. To, to survive that day, and I, and I did some research this week on the crucifixion, because uh, I, I just really wanted to understand it a little bit more, because I think Hollywood glamorizes it so much that we really don't understand what, what, what he was physically going through fully. Like, like, we all got this idea that he was up on a cross high above the ground, but in reality, his feet would have been 18 inches off the ground. I mean, you could have made eye contact with him. You could have spit in his face, which people were actually doing to him as he hung on. He wasn't high up in the air somewhere. He, 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 was, he was at face level with us. You see, the Persians invented the crucifixion around 300 B.C., and it was the Romans who perfected it. They just knew how to take torture to the most painful degree, and, and they could just perfect it. And this was one of the most horrific ways to die. It's actually where we get the term excruciating. If you've ever used the term excruciating, it comes from the term crucifixion because there has never been and probably will never be a more painful, horrific, torturous way to die than through the crucifixion. It's very slow and very painful. First off, uh, they, they, they put Jesus' knees flexed at a 45-degree angle. See, we see the cross of him, of him up there like that. Now, they would put you at a 45 degree angle so that you couldn't just you know, you know, lock your knees and hold your body weight. You had to hold your body weight on the muscles of your thighs and calf, which anyone that's ever tried to do this against a wall knows you can't do this for more than three to four minutes without going into severe cramps of your leg muscles. I mean, this is serious pain that he was in. I mean, to hold the weight of his body on his muscles, not his bones, bent at that degree, forced to bear all of this weight, severe cramps. Within a few minutes of being on the cross, his shoulders would have been dislocated. And then minutes after that, his elbows and wrists would have been dislocated also. I mean, this is a medical catastrophe when you study what was happening to the physical body. Breathing was the most painful thing to do on the cross because you actually died from suffocation on the cross. Hanging in this position, you couldn't breathe unless you pushed the weight of your body up. And remember, he's bearing the weight of his body on his thigh muscles and his calf muscles, not his legs. He's bearing the weight of his body on on the, the, the nails in his wrist, and they would put the nail where it would sever all of the median nerves of your wrist which would cause constant searing pain with every movement. In a crucifixion, it wasn't somebody hanging still on the cross like you see in Hollywood. There would have been constant movement, muscle spasms, the body's moving to breathe up and down, agony in every movement. I mean, you got to remember, they tortured, they, 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 they literally stripped the skin off of his back. So he's bloody, he's without skin, he's in this position, his, his muscles are going into cramps. Severe pain and all the nerves of his hands and his wrist. And the entire time, he's completely naked. He didn't have a loincloth on. He's completely naked, they say. Everybody walking around, looking him in the eye, spitting on him, cursing him. And with all of that, his own mother is having to sit there and watch this happen. And Jesus did this so ordinary people like us, like you, could go to heaven. See, if he could get through that day and we could figure out, you know, the lessons of God. Because in the middle of the the worst day of his life, in the middle of this horrific pain, he is still teaching us. And the Bible shows us that he makes seven statements on the cross. Now, Now, remember, to breathe is just absolute agony. To speak a word is even more painful in that position. So for him to speak anything at all in that position, you need to pay attention because those words cost him dearly. Those words are incredibly painful to speak. And he made seven statements on the cross. He's teaching us in that position. And you can't get them in one gospel. You've got to look at all four gospels. That's why we call it the harmony of the gospel to kind of get all four statements. And I want to look at at what he taught us from the cross, the seven statements from the cross. In fact, next Easter, the seven weeks leading up to Easter, I'm actually going to turn this into a series and I'm going to do one week on each statement and really dig in deep. But today I'm going to give you an overview because you're going to need to understand this stuff. Jack Hayford wrote a book years ago, How to Live Through a Bad Day. You know, how to get through a bad day. And, and he did it, all the chapters were the seven statements from the cross. This is gonna help you keep your eyes on Jesus. And my hope is you'll be reminded of these constantly. That's why I want you to hang on to these notes because I guarantee you today, listen, I guarantee you, if you'll apply these seven principles, you will get through any bad day of your life. In fact, if you'll apply two or three of them, you'll get through any bad day that you go through. That's how confident. So let's look at these. I'm gonna give you the life lesson and then I'm going to give you the phrase that Jesus said. First off, number one, forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. Forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. I don't know about you, but there, there's like people in life who, it's like they go to the Discover 301 class and they find out their gift in life is to make your life miserable. I mean, they're good at it. I mean, they're just like gifted at destroying you. I mean, it's like their whole calling on earth is just to make your life hell. And, and we all got them. We all got those people in life that just, you know, that you just constantly are having to forgive or let go because they're just, they're just coming at you. And I'm willing to say, if there's anybody here today who's tired right now, exhausted right now, wanting to quit right now, wanting to give up right now, nine times out of 10, it's going to be because of a relational wound in your life. There's some relational wound that you haven't let go of, that you haven't forgiven, that you've got some resentment, and it's holding you back. And so the first statement that Jesus makes on the cross, and remember, he says this through just excruciating pain, every single word spoken through excruciating pain, he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And what they're doing hurts. What they're doing is terrible, but they don't know what they're doing. And I'm telling you today, forgive. Do it. Don't, don't do it for them. Do it for yourself. Do this for yourself. Jesus is teaching an important lesson right now. He's saying, you, you, you're probably not gonna keep running. You're not gonna run with endurance, with resentment in your heart. You're not gonna make this race if you don't let go. And he thought this was so important. He actually included this into our daily, daily prayer in the Lord's Prayer. I love Dr. Cho in Korea. pastors the largest church in the world. Uh, great little Korean pastor, a real short guy, uh, over a million people in his church. I mean, he got a church where they have to tell people on Sunday, don't come to church because we don't have room for you. I mean, stay home in your small group this week because it's just, you know, they're building only seats like 50,000 or something. So it's like, you know, not everyone can come to church one Sunday. And so he was teaching on the Lord's Prayer there, there in Seoul, Korea. And uh, he, he got to the part on forgiveness and he goes, every day, I have to forgive so many people because I hate so many people. And I'm thinking, I understand that sometimes. I mean, it's like there's so many people out there that you just got to forgive. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 6. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is a big deal to Jesus. And I I think one of the reasons we struggle with forgiveness is because we really don't understand what forgiveness is and what forgiveness isn't. So let me just quickly take you through what forgiveness isn't. Forgiveness isn't minimizing the seriousness of the offense. Don't blow it off. Don't act like it wasn't a big deal. It was a big deal. It hurt. Don't minimize it. Forgiveness is not saying it's okay. It wasn't okay. It hurt. It it was wrong what happened. It, It wasn't Okay. Forgiveness is not instant restoration of trust or the relationship. There may not be restoration in that relationship. You need to forgive for your sake. Jesus is simply saying, don't let this be on your record. Give it to me. Let me be the one that avenges. Let me be the one that takes care of it. You let go of it. And honestly, some of you today, this is the only one you need. Like If you would just do this one right here, you would have fresh wind come back into your sail you'd be running again if you could just get this one down. Let's move to number two. Uh, Again, life lesson, then we'll look at the scripture. Number two, help others who are experiencing your same struggle. Help others who are experiencing your same struggle. Now, this one is a little bit of a mystery, but I'm telling you, test it, test it, test it, and you will see how true this is. I mean, you go find somebody that's having a worse day than you and you help them in their worst day, you'll be amazed at how it turns around your bad day. I mean, if you'll just go find somebody in worse pain than you and do something for them, you'll be amazed at how it, how it begins to change your circumstances and change your attitude and change your, your situation. That's why I love Tim and Chris, our worship pastor. A couple weeks ago, their sons in the NICU, born, having all these issues, and yet Tim's here Sunday morning leading worship, giving to others in the middle of his own pain, in the middle of his own circumstance, in the middle of his own challenges, he's here giving to others. Look at this with Jesus, Luke 23, verse 39. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But at, the, but, but at that, the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he says to Jesus, remember me, when you come into your kingdom. And right about here, Jesus could have said to the guy, you know what, I got my own stuff going on right now. I don't really have time for this. I mean, honestly, because that's what most of us do. You know, most of us, we're in the middle of a bad day and somebody needs help. Man, I really don't got time for you right now. I mean, I don't know if you know, but, but I'm going through it right now, so I just... But yet Jesus, in the middle of his bad day, is thinking about others, is helping others. He he says to the guy, I assure you today, you'll be with me in paradise. See, this is why I want you to invite somebody for Easter next weekend. Yes, we want them to experience Christ and know Christ. But more importantly, I want you to to experience what it's like to, to be a part of bringing somebody to God. I mean, you'll never experience dynamic faith until, until you've been a part of seeing somebody go on that journey and played a little part of their life and, and seeing them discover and grow and, and kind of wake up spiritually. And here's the promise when you, when you give your life to others, Isaiah fifty eight ten. feed the hungry, help those in trouble, then your light. I love that. It doesn't say their light, it says your light. Your light will shine out from the darkness. You're going to go through dark days. You're going to have hard days. You're going to have problems. But when you give to others, your light will shine out from the darkness. And the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. Here's number three. Be sure you've taken care of those closest to you. Be sure you've taken care of those closest to you. Why? Why? Because On your bad day, it's the people closest to you who get the brunt of your bad day. See, it's true for all of us. There's just some reason. In the middle of your bad day, we just tend to take it out on those closest to us and we just think, well, they'll understand or they should know better or "or they'll be all right and we just kind of take it out on everybody closest to us. And you can control it. I mean we've all had that 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 marriage fight. Married couples, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you're when you're just going at it. I mean you're 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 you're, you're and then all of a sudden the phone ring like, Hello. Yes, yeah, oh yeah, everything's wonderful. We're just having a great little well, praise God. Bye bye. I mean we've all been there. I mean, you can control this. I want you to see this. In, in the book of John, Jesus is, is on the cross and, and Jesus is in agony. Jesus is just in excruciating pain. And in the middle of his bad day, he looks down and he sees his mom and he says, what's gonna happen to mom? Who, who's gonna take care of mom? You know, many scholars believe Joseph died prematurely. That's why you don't see him anywhere in the story. And and Jesus would have never said this if Joseph had been alive. And so Jesus looks down and he says to his mom, dear woman, here's your son, referring to John, the disciple. John was the only one at the foot of the cross. And he says to John, here is your mother. On his worst day, he's not dumping on those closest to him. And somebody here needs to hear this. I mean, sir, you're giving your best to your boss and you're giving your worst to your wife and that's gotta change. That's gotta change. Someone here today, you're giving your best to your job and you're giving your worst to your kids and that has to change. That has to change. Let's, let's, Let's look at the next one, number four. Realize that until you get to heaven, there's gonna be some things you'll never understand. You're not gonna know everything you wanna know on earth. And you just gotta, you gotta be okay with that. You just gotta realize that until you get to heaven, you're not gonna understand everything. You're not gonna have all the answers here on earth. You're gonna have some questions. You're gonna have some whys. You're gonna have some things that you're struggling with, some things that you're trying to figure out. And here's the problem. In the middle of your bad day, you're gonna start crying out, and you're gonna be crying out, why, even Jesus did this. Why? Why? And you're gonna be at the place where you're like, God, this isn't fair. This isn't right. Why did this happen, God? Where where are you at, God? God, did you just decide not to answer prayers anymore? Did you just abandon me, God? You're gonna be there at some point. You're gonna be there. Jesus was there, Matthew 27, 46. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why, why? There's some stuff you're just not gonna know. And this is what I love most about Jesus is because I really feel like Jesus gets it. I mean, I do. I really feel like Jesus understands us, like he's been there. He knows what we're going through. He knows when you're struggling in your faith and you're questioning why and you're crying out and you're not understanding why certain things happen and why you're in the middle of a situation. I really feel like Jesus understands because he's been there. He's, he's had those moments of crying out in his soul. He's not this distant, dislocated God He doesn't, doesn't connect with us and understand what we're going through because he's this, this being in the sky that can't relate. No, he's very relatable. He's very relatable. He's been there. He's experienced it. And you got to get to a place where you can trust that God always does the right thing. Because I'm telling you, if you have to understand everything, it's going to destroy you. You're going to be miserable if you've if you got to know everything. If you've got to understand there's some things that you're just not going to know until you get to heaven, you've got to be okay with that. Here's number five. Be human enough to acknowledge your need. Be human enough to acknowledge your need. Because here, here's the reason. The moment you need people the most is oftentimes the moment you clam up and you withdraw and you don't reach out. It's like you need people the most in that moment, but for some reason you just kind of isolate yourself and you feel like, well, I, I got to handle this on my own. And Jesus shows us it's okay to be human. John 19, 28, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill Scripture, he said, I am thirsty. I've got a need. I've got a need, and I can't, I can't take care of this need on my own. I'm thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge and it put on a hyssop branch and held it to his lips. Jesus had a need, and he just wanted someone to help him. He just said, listen, I'm thirsty, and I just, just need somebody to give me a drink. And this reminds me that none of us, none of us, are so self-sufficient that we don't have times in our life where we need the help of other people, that, that we just need our brothers, we need our sisters, we need some people to gather around us. We don't have to face this alone. We don't gotta fight it alone. We need each other. That's the power of church and the power of small groups. That's why if you're not in a healthy small group, I can't encourage you to find a small group because you're going to need that group of guys, need that group of girls, need those couples to surround you. You're going to go through some stuff on life that's going to hurt, and you're going to need some. You weren't created to do life alone. God never created you to do life alone. Created you to, 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 to have needs that only other people can meet in your life. And that's what the body of Christ is all about. Here's number six. Be assured. And, and this one, let me just say is prophetic to somebody here today. Somebody needs to hear this one. Be assured. There is a purpose and an end. There is a purpose and an end to your bad day. To what you're going through. To the challenges you're facing. There's a purpose to it. And there will be an end to it. There's going to be an end one day. There's going to be a day where there's no more death, there's no more crying, there's no more hurting, there's no more weariness, there's no more filing taxes or traffic. I mean, that will be a good day. We'll talk about that next week. But the truth is, no bad day ever need be pointless again in your life. Jesus has the power to put purpose in your bad day. I think of Nick Vujicic, a young Australian uh, uh, guy from, it Just is it, a speaker, he was born without arms and legs. And and it was rough. I mean, at eight years old, he tried to commit suicide because of getting bullied at school. He doesn't have any arms and legs. I mean, that's a, a really, you can imagine a rough life to try to try to live and try to drown himself in a bathtub. And you know, wasn't successful. God got a hold of his heart and he surrendered his life to Christ. And now he speaks all over the world and he's literally led hundreds of thousands of people to Jesus Christ. And this is what he said one time. If God doesn't give you a miracle, then you're the miracle for somebody else. If God doesn't give you a miracle, you're the miracle for somebody else. There there, there can be purpose to your bad day. God didn't create your bad day. God didn't cause your bad day. But God can bring purpose out of your bad day, and God will bring an end to it. John 19, verse 30. It is finished. Now, many people assume this is the last statement Jesus made, but this wasn't the last statement. This was just number six. And he wasn't talking about his life here. He was talking about his purpose. I finished my purpose. I conquered death. I conquered the grave. Why? So that now we can conquer. He defeated death so that we could defeat death. He defeated the grave so that we could defeat the grave. He did it for us. That's the good news of the gospel. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. I love the way Paul puts it. He goes, that's why we never give up. That's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying. Let me, let, let me just tell you, your body's dying. You, these, these bodies, are not all, they're not all that great. They break down easy. You know, they, they're, they're, just, they're just not. I mean, if you're, if you're all wrapped up in this right here, you're just going to be let down because you're going to die one day. I mean, you're not going to live forever. You will, this, this body will die one day. I know people are like, well, why don't you be more positive, Pastor? I'm positive you're going to die one day. <laughs> it's going to happen to all of us. These bodies just break down. They deteriorate. Don't get all hung up in these bodies. But our spirits are being renewed every day. How are our spirits need? Look at this, verse 17. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. But they don't feel small. They feel big right now. And it feels like it's been going on forever. I mean, it, it doesn't feel like, well, you need to have an eternal perspective. You need, you need to get an eternal perspective. Your life is literally going to be billions of years. You only get a few short years here on earth. That's it. That's it. So whatever you're dealing with now, yes, it's painful. Yes, it hurts. Yes, it's not fun. But compared to eternity, it's small, and it's not going to last very long. But, but look, look at the promise out of it. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. What you're going through right now, if you'll surrender it to Christ, if you'll let him create purpose out of it, it will create a glory that will outweigh the pain, that will outweigh the problems, and that will last forever. It's going to be over one day, so don't give up during your bad day. And then here's the last thing, number seven. Finally, surrender your day to God and let it go. Surrender, and this is something you have to do every day. Every day. That's why I want you to keep these notes because you're gonna have to do these things every day. Surrender your day to God and let it go. That's what Denny taught last week. My people, let go, let it go. Put it in his hands. He can handle it better than you can handle it. He can take care of you better than you can take care of yourself. Jesus says, Luke 23, 46, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. I trust you. I trust you, God, with my life, with my spirit, God. I trust you. I place my life into your hands. And some of you, this is what you need today. You've been trying to solve it yourself. You've been trying to figure it out yourself. You've been trying to do it on your own. And you're going to have to let go. You're going to have to give up. You're going to have to surrender. And you're going to have to give it to God because you can't get through it on your own. I think of Bob Strahl in our church. Many of you know Bob. He was diagnosed with leukemia about a year ago. Bob, Bob, grew up in poverty. He's a self-made man. He 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 just worked his way up from nothing. Became very successful, very wealthy as an entrepreneur, and was diagnosed with leukemia. And and you know, just Mister Positive. He you know he said, "I'm going to beat this thing. I've I've beaten everything my whole life. I'm a self-made man. I yeah, I'm going to beat this thing." And I had to sit him down, and I said, Bob, you're not going to beat this thing. This thing will kill you. You're not going to beat it. This isn't your fight to fight. If you try to fight this on your own, it's going to kill you. It's not your fight. It's not your fight. You're going to have to give this one to Jesus. You're going to have to let him fight this battle in your life. Because if Jesus doesn't fight this battle, you're not going to beat this one. You've done a lot with your life, your ability, your strength, you're not going to win this one. You're going to have to give this battle to Jesus. And his wife will tell you, she was here last night. That was the moment when he truly figured out what Christianity was all about and when he truly surrendered and gave his life. He thought he was a Christian for years, but that was the moment he finally let go and surrendered to Christ. And, and, and everything, his whole life has been changed ever since. He's now recovering from leukemia. He's beating it. It, it, It's Christ in him doing something amazing. He's got faith like he's never had, not faith in himself anymore, faith in Christ. And it's amazing to watch the transformation when he finally surrendered and he let go. See, you've got the option. You can try to figure this thing out on your own or you can give it to him. We need to surrender our life to him. Would you close your eyes with me this morning? Close your eyes and bow your heads. Some of you right now, you're you're holding on to something and you need to let go of it today. Somebody here, you know, you're under such severe financial pressure right now and you're trying to keep it all together for your family, but it's killing you. It's killing you and you need to let go. You need to trust God. You need to give it to him. You need to surrender. Some of you need to make the ultimate act of surrender today and that's just to give your life completely to God, to give him total Control of your life, to surrender it all to him. Say, God, I want you to be the Lord of my life. And the Lord just means ruler, boss. I'm going to give you control. I'm going I'm, I'm I'm to I'm let you decide the outcome of my life and I'm going to get my hands off of it. I'm going to give it to you, God. I want you to be the Lord. I want you to be in control. I want you to be first in my life. And here's the thing, if God's not first, if God's not number one on your list, he's not on your list. God can't take second place in your life. He can't take third place in your life. You either surrender completely to him or you don't. And so I just wanna invite, if there's anybody here today that you need to make a decision to totally surrender your life to God this morning. It could be the first time you may have walked into here today, never been to a Christian church, and you feel something pulling at your heart right now. You need to know that's not me. I'm not talented enough or gifted enough to pull the strings of your heart. That's the Holy Spirit. That's God's very Spirit pulling at your heart right now. And, and your job is just to respond to it. Or you may be here today and and there was a time where you felt like God had control, but for whatever reason, you kind of took control back and you've been living for yourself and you're here today and it's time that you renew that commitment. You kind of recommit yourself to him and and make a decision all over to just totally let go, totally let go and give your life completely to him. So whether it's the first time that you need to make that decision or whether you need to recommit today, with every eye closed, I'm going to invite you to pray with me. I'm not gonna ask you to stand up. I'm not gonna ask you to walk down to the front. This is the moment between you and God. You don't even need to pray out loud. God can hear the prayer of your heart. I just wanna know who I'm praying with. So with every eye closed, out of respect, if you wanna join me in that simple prayer, would you just slip up your hand and say, you know, I'd like to join you in that prayer this morning. Raise your hand right now. Thank you, 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 thank you for those hands. You can put your hands down. The prayer is simple. The first part of the prayer is you just invite God to take total control. Say, God, I invite you today to take total control of my life. Just in your own words, just just give him an invitation. Give him permission to take over in your life. second part of the prayer is we need to ask for forgiveness for our sin now sin is just a bible word that means you've missed the mark missing the mark could be you did something you weren't supposed to do missing the mark could be there was something you needed to do that you didn't do either way we just missed the mark and every single person here today has missed the mark in some area of life and so i want you to just just ask god to forgive you just and he absolutely will just say god would you forgive me for every area of my life that i've missed the mark in then the last part of the prayer is just say thank you. Would you just say, Jesus, oh, I just want to thank you for dying to save me. I mean, what you did was so unimaginable. I, I don't know if I could ever do that for somebody and that you did it for me. So just tell them thank you this morning. And you can look up for just a moment. If you prayed with me today, I'm gonna encourage you to take one more step on your own. On the connection card, there's two boxes. One says, I'm committing my life to Christ. One says, I'm renewing my commitment to Christ. If you made either decision today, I wanna encourage you to check a box, drop it off one of the tithe and offering boxes as you leave so that we can pray for you. We wanna know who you are so that we can be praying for you, supporting you in the decision you made. We also have these books outside that say, now what at our information table? It's a great question. You know, I put God first in my life, now what? What do I do next? Take the next seven days, read one chapter a day for seven days. The chapters are really short, and it'll walk you through the next steps. Better yet, if you could join us in 15 minutes from now. We're going to be teaching the essentials of Christianity. We've got lunch taken care of. It's a great lunch right in our family center. You can join us in 15 minutes and, and we'll just take you through the four key essentials of serving God. So just join us today, whatever you have, just cancel your plans and just come on over for lunch. And we'd love to have you and we'll just walk you through the next steps and kind of the essentials of serving God. If you don't have a Bible today, uh, please take a Bible with you today. We, we have We give away hundreds of Bibles every year. It's a passion of our church is to get God's Word in your hand because this isn't a history book. It's not pages with ink. This book will literally breathe life inside of you. God's breath will breathe in you as you read this book. And I know that makes no sense at all. And I can't logically explain or help you figure that one out. All I can tell you is it's something you have to experience. And when you start reading this with, with, with God's help, it will breathe life inside of you. Would you stand with me as we close? Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for the example of your son that he gave us, that we could study how he did it, that we could keep our eyes on him, that, that, that we'll rehearse this story over and over, that we can run the race with endurance. And if Jesus could get through his worst day with those seven principles, let us use those principles to to be life lessons to get us through the bad days of our life. We thank you. Let Let us run the race that you've set for us. And let us run to win. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Have a great week, everyone. And we'll see you for Easter.